This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. Gardening, world affairs, music, crack... What a lovely two hours to start your Saturday. It's the 3rd of October and it's been another eventful week. As you heard on the news last night, Irish Radio came together to celebrate the best in radio across the island at the Imro Radio Awards. Now, usually radio people from north, south, east and west would gather here in Kilkenny in the Lyrath Estate, just up the road from us here in Casey Lore. But in a sign of the times, we all gathered virtually last night online and a great evening was had and well done to Monica Hayes a great honour for us and we were all very proud of her as she scooped a bronze award for women's bits which you can hear on the way it is on KCLR but enough of last night between now and 10 o'clock it's all about business this morning on the programme we'll be continuing our Taste Local tour and visiting Series Bakery in Carlow and talking to Jarek Kerwin from Goatsbridge about the great success of his business just outside Thomastown I'll be talking to Kathleen Houlihan Chief Executive of Carlow County Council about the business box initiative which Casey Law is delighted to be involved in and I'll be also talking to Brian O'Farrell from Carlow Chamber about a special retail initiative which takes place on Tuesday next and which I'm also delighted to be involved in but first joining me on the phone to discuss uh, the week in business and what's been going on is Samantha McCochran who's the business editor at the Sunday Independent. Good morning Samantha. Good morning, John. How are you? Very well. Um, a lot has happened since you were last on in the dying days of the summer, and I think one constant is Donald Trump is still on top of the news and still moving markets. Well, I think what's happened in the last uh, 48 hours would defy any screenwriter. Uh, it's been just unbelievable overnight. You know, a number of Donald Trump's advisors have tested positive. He himself is now in a military hospital uh the election is uh, just over 30 days to go and the markets, of course, were very uh, nervous and jumpy about how this will play out with the US. All the key indices were, were, were down yesterday and God knows on, on, on Monday morning, I'd imagine there'll be a further uh, bit of... Uh, jitters will be probably an understatement given how extraordinary the, uh, the events have been. Yeah, and, and I've heard commentary that they took the decision to move him last evening, uh, Friday night uh, in the US, because they wanted to wait till the markets closed. Yeah, I, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. As you know, uh, Donald Trump has put the markets and the economy uh, very much at the forefront of his presidency. He uh, obviously has had a very rough ride in terms of the economy due to COVID in recent months. Uh, one of the striking things about what's happened in recent uh, days is the fact that there had been a move away from COVID as being the focus of his campaign. He has been seen as being as handling this quite badly, uh, the pandemic quite badly. This hasn't played well uh, with lots of uh, segments of, of, the, of, of, of the US, including the, uh, the the economy, obviously, but also older voters who are kind of worried about how he's handling it. Uh, but they kind of had shifted, the dial had shifted in the last uh, couple of weeks over, over the Super 
Supreme Court appointment. Um, Amy Coney Barrett, her likely appointment is seen as a real win for Trump and from his uh, kind of hardcore uh, Republican base. So the fact that now it's going to be so much about COVID, it's going to be about his health, his ability, those around him, his capacity to campaign, but also just that is the one topic he does not want this election to be about because he scored very badly on this particular topic. And it's amazing, really, when you think of, you know, how it used to be with spokespeople and all this sort of stuff and managing the news and so on for governments. And then he just kind of, he's tweeting it in, uh, and it's it's moving so quickly. I mean, he tweeted at one in the morning that he had it um, and all hell broke loose. Yeah, like I'm sure a lot of people, uh, families, businesses, uh, you know, around the country were... uh saying to each other first thing yesterday morning, did you hear the news? I mean, it, it was an overnight story that people woke up to in Ireland yesterday and, and, and America woke up to, as you say, it wasn't stage managed because it, it, it was live news. Uh, but there was a, kind of a bit of suspicion, I think, that there was an issue. You know, it came out that one of his advisors, uh, Hope Hicks, had, had, had tested positive. And as we know, he has been very much... Uh, with his advisors, not wearing masks a lot of the time. There's reports that they were, you know, intensely in meeting rooms talking. They were in planes, in his plane together. Um, and it is just, uh, it's an incredible turn of events because of his attitude uh, towards masks. The fact that the White House of all um, agencies, bodies in the world should be absolutely been able to protect people. But it, it's, it's a symptom, uh, excuse the pun, of, of the reaction of the White House and the president to um this pandemic and Joe Biden, his uh, his opposition, obviously has been ridiculed for wearing masks. Even uh, very recently, talking, Donald Trump was talking about how you know <laughs> Joe Biden couldn't get a big enough mask. So um, it's just uh, uh, in terms of um, how you know how it's turn- in terms of how it's actually turning out now. It's just incredibly ironic what's happening. Not just the president, but a lot of people around him affected. And, you know, as, as being commented by people who know more than me about this, he is in a risk group. He's, uh, te- you know, obese, uh, according to kind of medical terminology. He is uh, in the age category that's a high risk. So I suppose uh, we just have to see how, how, he, how, he, how he deals with this and how his health is over the next few days and weeks. Yeah, now, um, COVID has uh, struck uh, an awful blow to many businesses and no business more than the aviation business has been uploaded. Uh, Michael O'Leary from Ryanair is, uh, you know, has been very, very vocal um, on the sceptical side, I suppose, as to how governments around the world are, are handling it. Um, but he's he's using the crisis as an opportunity to take a bold move and the Independent has been breaking a story about that. Tell us about What's the latest from O'Leary Towers? Yeah, so uh, uh, Reiner has um, uh, appears to be putting in a very large order for Boeing seven three seven Maxes. Um, I think uh, two hundred up to two hundred aircraft is the number uh, being suggested uh, in the paper during the week, and uh, that's about a fifteen billion dollar plus um, order. So uh, it's sort of you know. In one way, it's the wily approach of Michael O'Leary and the company, which is when things are uh, on a low point, he's probably in a very strong negotiating position. It does show that there is confidence there that the airline industry, aviation, will um, really t- will come back, will rebound when the time is right. So that is a very significant order. It's a very significant vote of confidence in the future. However, you know, Ryanair is very concerned about what's going on right now. And they actually were in the High Court yesterday. Um, they lost a challenge to the government over its um, restrictions on travel. Uh, they had basically said it was, in effect, a legal uh, 
a restriction, a legal clampdown basically on travel, but the High Court didn't agree with them and said, look, you know, it is a fair move by the government to give very good, strong advice. It's not legally binding, but it is advice. And so, um, uh, look, you know, it, unfortunately, there are restrictions and, and, and um, a lot of people, are, even voluntarily, are not, not, not willing to travel at the moment. Yeah, and so it's a bold move by Ryanair in terms of the timing of it, because we are at the kind of an absolute bottom of a cycle like the airline industry has never seen before but also of course the 737 max is grounded and hasn't got a safety certificate to fly at the moment so that's really amazing yeah, yeah like i think i think there's progress being made on that um and and they're getting through the kind of regulation and the uh, various aviation agencies are starting to approve it but yeah like it has a very difficult um uh you know year or so um that aircraft there was obviously a couple of um, major incidents involved and the uh, 737 MAX, and they were taken uh, off, uh, down to, uh, they were grounded for a long period of time, but uh, like generally speaking, uh, you know, they have a very long-standing relationship with Boeing, and, 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 and there was, I think there was no doubt that the software issues that caused very uh, tragic incidents were going to be ironed out. So a lot of, like, for a lot of reasons, Ryanair is being opportunistic getting in when there's a few um, kind of negative straws in the wind, a couple, one, a couple of major ones. That that's an, a, that's an understatement there, Samantha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, a very, neg- a very, very, very big uh, straw in the wind. And uh, But it is a timing issue, like a very clever, I suppose, timing um opportunity for them to get in and they're in a very strong position bargaining wise they can really probably drive the hardest bargain of any time in history in aviation history in terms of getting a good deal and I've no doubt as as any customer will know I'm sure Ryanair are well able to drive a hard bargain at the best of time. Absolutely I'm not too sure who it was that said be scared when people are greedy and greedy when people are scared so um, (laughs) uh, Michael O'Leary definitely taking that to heart. Um, Google a a company of course that's a byword for searching for stuff on the internet but also a huge employer in in Ireland and uh, a big story there about um, a potential tax problem yeah so um, basically as we know a lot of people are working from home at the moment and the multinationals are no different a lot of remote working going on and uh, Davey had a report there just during the week saying that uh, it anecdotally has believed that up to 2,000 uh, Google workers were uh, working in other countries. So basically, as we know, a lot of the multinationals have European workers and, and from further afield. And during the restrictions uh, that tied the lockdown, we believe, I think, that, that, that a lot of people just went to their home country and were based from there, which, you know, in theory should be fine, but um, uh, the implications then are kind of quite significant for tax, etc. because um, we actually, in the Sunday Independent, wrote about this in July, that, that the companies, the multinationals, were kind of starting to come to the tax experts and say, look, we have a bit of an issue here. We are discovering that some people are actually not in Ireland at all. They're working in other countries, and there may be tax implications. Because in France, for example, the social welfare contributions that an employer pays are much higher than here. So, you know, it, it, it does raise issues for the, the employer. Now, Google has said that it's nothing like the 2000 uh, anecdotally reported in the Davy uh, report, but uh, this, it definitely is an issue. I think um, what, what, what Davy was talking about is the fact that rents have fallen during the pandemic and, you know, lots of reasons have been put forward for this, like the likes of Airbnb, you know, not being as active and then maybe freeing up apartments and rooms, etc., in houses. But one of the reasons potentially is the fact that lots of 
uh, European workers have gone back to Europe, gone back to France, Germany, wherever in the world, and freed up rooms. Now that may they may be starting to come back. And I think David was saying, well, that might just have an impact on the property market and the rental market. Yeah, and one and and kind of related to that is um, there was research out during the week that kind of got a handle on the occupancy rate of Irish hotels. Pretty stark reading. Yeah, so so like the, the Irish hotels had quite quite a nice late summer there, you know, because Irish people, I'm sure anyone who travelled around, like it was buzzing with Irish people travelling all over Ireland. But in the last two weeks, they're saying that uh, uh, bookings and occupancy levels are collapsing, basically. Um, now, naturally, there are more restrictions on, on Dublin, especially, but they are upping restrictions nationwide. And that just... Uh, people may not feel, A, that, that they should travel due to restrictions, or B, that they just don't really feel like going out, away and spending time in a hotel when they're really trying to be careful. So the numbers, like, generally for September, October, November, they're 80% plus occupancy. Um, you know, for September, it was in the 40, it was 40 plus percent. Uh, uh, October, 22%. And at the moment, it looks like November of the 11%. Wow. So, like, you know, hopefully... They will improve, and uh, there will obviously be offers to stimulate, and maybe people will book quite late uh, trips in Ireland uh, if the restrictions are lifted and, and, and the numbers go down, people will travel. But at the moment, it does look very grim, and I think um, the Irish Hotels Federation are saying, you know, there's probably 100,000 people have lost jobs, and tens of thousands, up to 100,000 people, they, they would face risks. It would be very serious if... Um, the next few months of the year, the hotels were opening and there really just weren't uh, customers coming because that's not sustainable for anybody. Yeah, and of course, the, the Revenue have introduced their app during the week for the stay and spend operational since the 1st of October, but there, there's such uncertainty as to levels of lockdown and, you know, planning a weekend yeah. away or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just reading in the Irish Times this morning the Ashford Castle, um, one of the most exclusive and expensive five-star hotels uh, in the country, and it did. It was like Noel Rochford, the, um, the the managing director of that company, was at the hotel was saying basically during the summer they were over eighty percent occupancy, and with Irish people coming, they usually depend very heavily on Americans, uh, but they weren't. Um, they just weren't. There were Irish people were, were managing to find some uh, some big money for that, that hotel over the summer, but now like Dublin being locked down was a huge hit for them because forty percent of the business will come potentially come from Dublin, and uh, then throughout the country and counties all over Ireland, people are very slow to go and book and travel. There's just a lack of comfort there, and some of the new figures coming out about contact tracing do put make you nervous when you hear about a restaurant or uh, someone on the table beside you infecting, mm. you know, a number of people. So, look, I think there's just going to be a hesitancy there, even if restrictions are lightened. Well, I suppose the moral of the story is wash your hands, keep your distance, follow the rules, and we'll all be back to it as, as soon as reasonably possible. Samantha, yeah, thanks very much awesome. for joining us this morning. Thanks, Amelia. Take care. Thanks, Samantha. That was Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunday Independent, having a chat with us about uh, business matters over the last week. Always good to talk to her. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. Now, Taste Local is a great initiative that over the last few weeks has seen us travelling all over Kilkenny and Carlo meeting food producers, chefs, restaurants and cafe owners and lots of different people involved in the local food industry, which not only feeds us all, but provides thousands of jobs in our local economy and important to 
support that. Emer was out in Gorn yesterday meeting lots of interesting people. For myself, I recently met Brian Seary of Seary's Bakery in Carlow and for over 30 years they've been producing high quality cakes and award winning Christmas puddings. I started by asking Brian to tell us the story of how the business came into being and got to a place where it now employs 70 people. Well, right at the start in 1989, my mother was a home economics teacher who had taken leave of absence to raise myself and my sisters, and my dad worked in milk distribution. They wanted to make a go on their own. My mother had a number of recipes that she had sold in some local coffee shops, and people would constantly say, these are great, why don't you sell them in the supermarkets? So they took the car out of the garage at the back of the house and moved an oven in and started producing. So it was very humble beginnings. During the 90s, they got a bit of traction with the products. They were all fruit-based products at the time, the likes of whiskey cakes, porter cakes, very traditional recipes and Christmas puddings. So at the end of the 1990s, they were faced with a fairly major dilemma. Do they stay as a cottage industry or do they try and upscale? So before the property boom in the early 2000s, they were lucky enough to secure a site in Tin Ryland and we were able to build. I officially came into the business in 2005 and my remit at the time was to try and grow export sales. So the logical landing ground for us was the UK and we were fortunate enough to pick up some accounts over there that have you know, some people that we still deal with today. And over time, we've also picked up business in the likes of the Netherlands, in Germany, in France. We've sold some of our products in the Middle East, and we've done some work in America and Australia as well. And uh, Christmas puddings have a pivotal part to play in the development of the business and ongoing to this day. Absolutely. Our break into Christmas puddings came in the mid-90s when the former retailer Superquin came to us to say that they had 15 shops and they had 15 different puddings and they were looking to standardise their range. Our business really grew from there that we were able to expand the range and we were able to talk to more to more customers and Christmas puddings as opposed to something that was sold in the last quarter of the year. It became a year-round business for us in that different puddings are matured for different lengths of time so we could start producing Christmas puddings this year that won't actually be sold until Christmas 2021. So that's the that's the nature of the business. Yeah, so obviously um, it's, a, it's a business that went from kitchen table to garage to now quite a large industrial premises and 70 people. Um, how is business in this COVID era? Well, like most businesses, March was a major shock for us in that we deal with a lot of the large retailers in this country. So when panic buying really set in in March, our volumes went absolutely through the roof. So this provided or this proved you know, quite challenging for us in that, you know, terms like social distancing, for example, weren't even in the lexicon at that stage. So, you know, a whole raft of quality standards had to be implemented and had to be done very, very quickly in terms of keeping shifts of people together. So, you know, contact tracing, all that sort of thing. So inevitably with any huge spike like that, there's going to be a little bit of a fall as well. So while our retail sales were very, very strong at that point, our food service business really dropped off the 
off the face of the earth, which which was which was difficult. So the summer traditionally for our business is a quieter time, and it's usually at that time that we're able to focus on our Christmas business, where we're able to build up volumes of our Christmas puddings. So thankfully, with our retail customers, we've been able to get good growth on our volumes from from 2019. So that's what's kept us busy during the summer. And you know, as we stand right now, you know, the we we can see Christmas. Um, we can see Christmas in front of us, and you know, we're we're, we're hopeful that it's going to be a good season. Yeah. Now, um, what about the challenges of growing from a kitchen table to a much larger international business? I know on your website you you have the the slogan "Big enough to cope, but small enough to care." Uh, that seems like quite a quite a a challenge to to able to scale a business but to still retain the the kind of small family feel about it and a lot of that comes down to confidence in the products that we've actually got and that some of the products that we make today we would have been making right at the very start in 1989 so they've really stood the test of time so our you know ethos has always been to try and you know replicate the taste of home baking so that's really what we want to do is to you know get products on people's tables that you know we, we would um, eat and consume ourselves and that we you know quality that we'd believe in that we'd stand over so i suppose the quality of the products and the the, the loyal customer base that we've built up over the years have been you know instrumental to the growth of the company over the last 30 years we were talking about your christmas pudding market and every year it's been traditional almost uh, perennial tradition uh, that you've had your pop-up shop that won't be the case this year it's just not compatible i would imagine with uh, the covid era for the moment anyway yeah for the moment La- last year we 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 made um, a big effort to upscale our pop-up shop and we moved it over to our warehouse facility in gray cullen and we got you know, great traction in the local area and, and, and you know, the, a large catchment area around Carlow. We, uh, w- you know, we were very pleased with how that went, but this year with, with everything going on, it just makes sense for us to try and push the whole operation online. So we're hoping to get going by the end of October where we'll, be, we'll have offers to click and collect for for example for people in the local area but also we'll be able to expand our reach a little bit and that we'll be able to send products around the country you know using um, courier facilities so it's just forcing us to you know move forward a little bit be a little bit more streamlined with with our offer but you know we, we were determined to keep some sort of a Christmas shop offering because we're largely a private label business and we make products for the retailers under their brands. So it's difficult for people when they contact us, it's difficult to explain where exactly they can find our products. So this way, you know, we'll be able to give people um, in a web a website and they'll be able to purchase our products from there and hopefully leave us nice reviews. Brian Siri there of Siri's Bakery in Carlow, uh, just one of the businesses we've been talking to over the last number of weeks as part of the Taste Local campaign. 
Now it's just 28 and a half minutes after nine o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. Coming up, I'm going to be talking to uh, Ger from Goldsbridge, but just a shout out coming up after the 10 o'clock news is Edward Hayden with The Saturday Show. And during the last week, there's been a lot of uncertainty and disruption for students in the Leaving Cert. And I'm sure that's had a bit of an emotional toll for themselves and their parents. Well, coming up after 10 o'clock, Edward will be talking to psychotherapist Mags Bowen about dealing with the emotional fallout for students and parents of that very difficult time and this difficult time. So if you've got a question, you can put it in on the Darren Hayes comment line on 083 306 9696. That's 083 306 9696. Now, continuing on, uh, the whole theme of the Taste Local, they say the story of Goatsbridge uh, began over 800 years back when the monks of Jerpoint Abbey near Thomastown began fishing in the fast-flowing Little Arigal River in the heart of the Nor Valley. Well, today it's the headquarters of a very successful family business, which is run by husband and wife team Ger and Mag Kerwin. The business started in 1961 and was started by Ger's parents, Rita and Porrick. I visited Ger recently and had a great old chat with them. We joined the conversation as Ger took up the story of Goatsbridge when he returned to join the business in 1987. From 87 on when I came home, uh, I think there was one other person here at that stage besides my parents. So, like, from that now, um, what are we? We're, we're 33 years on, <laughs> unbelievably. Um, where we're today, like, we've, as I said, 26 people. Uh, there's about eight of those people involved in, in, in the actual growing of the fish. Uh, as I said... Like we've got someone in admin, we've got someone in sales, we've got someone in quality, uh, like we've a driver and then like all of the rest are all, um, you know, in either primary or secondary processing. Um, so like uh, the work is constant or that's what we're trying to do anyway. You know, there, there'll be little bits of seasonality about it, but we're trying to get into a situation where we can sort of guarantee the work every week and um you know, as uh, you know, when we when we talked and touched on COVID, and we talked on you know all of the blips and the the challenges in business, um, you know, we're, we're we're kind of flexible in that we you know we're able to maybe redirect staff into the busy channels, uh, and I think that's very important in in the climate we're in is that you're you know that you're not rigid that you have some level of flexibility and that you you know to keep to keep the show on the road. That must have been sorely tested through the. COVID crisis which first broke in February, March and which is ongoing and it now a fact of life for business. How are you adapting to that? Yeah, well, well I, I mean, I, I think privately, like, we're kind of chuffed at, like, to, that we're surviving, I suppose, and, and that we're, I won't say we're, we're prospering, but we, that we've actually adapted. So, like, it's been a big, it's been a big challenge. Um, you know, in the first weeks um, of um, lockdown, uh, like, we saw, like, our large um, trout sales, for example, completely disintegrate. I think it reduced to approximately a third you know, in volume terms of where we were, and uh, we had to we had to make some serious business decisions to work our way through that. But um, um, you know, we've 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 we've, as you said, like you have no choice but to adapt. Um, and uh, luckily, you know, the, there's been some positive 
ends of things as well. So, uh, I mean, as a company, we, we did um, enter the COVID payment scheme or whatever at start. And, um, do you know, we're, we were glad of it because it sort of guaranteed the employment and stuff in the short term. But, like, we've worked our way through that and we've kind of come out of that scheme now. And, um, do you know, like, we're, 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 we're kind of taking things head on. And, like, as I said, I think adaptability and that is very, very important. And, like, we've got, you know, we've got great cooperation from our, our staff as well because, you know, no one... We're we're in it together, like so, like we're we're working our way through it, you know. So you said uh, about being in this uh, for thirty three years, I think it was, and the time has has flown. What mm. have you learned, and what advice would you pass on to someone who's at the other end of the growth cycle, who's just starting out? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the that, you know. Um, Yeah, I suppose um, there's a couple of things. Like, I often think we've been very, both Maggie and I have been very, very lucky with our parents in terms of um, integrity in business. And I, I think I, I'd value value that, like, very highly in terms of, um, you know, you look at, like, Margaret's mother had and uh, developed the Goresbridge Horse Sales. And, like, my parents, like, started from scratch here and like they were very very good people in relationships and like i see kind of business as being about relationships and managing relationships like we we depend on uh you know repeat business we, we depend on like having a you know a, a loyal customer base uh so like for sure like i you know and i, I met a i met a very important customer yesterday and you know he was asking me some very direct questions that, you know, other people wouldn't be able to have, like, an on, give an honest answer to in terms of, like, the market and bits and pieces and what's happening and all the rest. And I just find, like, as I said, integrity, honesty in, in with all of those things that it, it pays off for you. That's, that's one thing. Like, I think we've been very lucky that, uh, you know, probably... Um, husband and wife teams quite difficult I suppose working together and there's book, been books written about it and all the rest like we're like we've so far and we've kind of come up with a formula that kind of works I suppose I tend to look after operations uh, you know and there's a lot of organisation and all that um, I suppose I'm lucky in that you've got like you know your your engineering background, which I suppose in a sense if you break it down is uh, is a methodical approach to problem solving, right? And on top of that, then I've got all the practical experience that I've inherited from my parents and, and grown up on on the farm. So you're bringing that like whereas Mag is probably, you know, and and, and these skills weren't probably apparent when 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 we got married first, um, but like Mag is probably like really taken to the whole business side of 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 of, of what we have uh, like a duck to water and that's when you put the two together like we're you know a fairly strong force because we've, we're, we're kind of covering most of the angles so i mean that's like as i said w- with that like we've probably listened to and took advice from a lot of people we've got like very good support from the various state agencies uh like we work you know that so that would be like bim Bordi Skiwara, um and Bordia. laterally look after the marketing of fish 
and like you can you know it's not necessarily people that say then oh I read about you in the you know the Sunday Independent or I read something or like a lot of and, and Laura heard you on the radio like I mean like as you know yourself like this is a it's a good kind of a good news story and I mean it's not to say that you, you're not prepared to put your hand in your pocket but there's a lot of ways of actually getting very good advice that, that is either affordable or actually can cost you nothing uh, so like we, we would have worked then with um, like the local enterprise board uh, very closely um, Margaret and I both did the um, the management development course with Blaise Brosnan and uh, we'd you know Blaise has stayed on with us and is, is there at the other end of the line uh, and that we've, we've probably both found that has been invaluable for, for a small business and uh, um, you know all the time, uh, you know, like, for example, like we're now facing Brexit. So, like, we, you know, we've done, uh, we've staff members trained up on, um, you know, Brexit, like, uh, courses. And, like, we're liaising very closely with Borbia. We're doing refresher courses. We're getting a mentoring session with the person that gave the course. To, that would be unique to our business. So, like, like as I said, all, like, that would be probably my second point is that, like, you, you know, listen take as much advice as possible mentoring very important very important and like no one knows at all so like we you know if you think uh, like you know like the daily or the weekly work now in Goatsbridge it's, it's it's completely different to a year ago two years ago and like you know you need a high level of organization and like there's help there to, to, to get you to, to those places and kind of once you get over to the top of the hill then it's always a lot easier going down the other side you're skiing downhill it's much it's much nicer Jer Kerwin there from Goatsbridge just outside Thomastown telling us some of his business story and that's all part of a much longer chat that I had with Jer and we'll be putting the full interview out on our social media channels next week and you can listen to it properly probably through our podcast channel as well that's the bottom line uh, wherever you do your podcast listening coming up I'll be talking to Kathleen uh, Houlihan from Carlow County Council about an exciting scheme that Casey Law is involved with which is offering uh, County Carlow businesses an opportunity to avail of a series of highly subsidised supports for marketing and promotions that's all coming up after this break the bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Kathleen Houlihan, Chief Executive of Carlow uh, County Council. We're here today at the launch of Business Box, uh, which has been launched by the Local Enterprise Office and Carlow County Council. Uh, important that the local authority and the Enterprise Office uh, innovates in its support of business during these times. This is an innovative programme. Yes, it is. A very exciting programme and a wonderful opportunity uh, for Carlow County Council and the Local Enterprise Office to work uh, with uh, KCLR as a partner uh, in providing support uh, for local businesses to enable them uh, to promote their business and market their business uh, in what's a very challenging time for all concerned. Uh, And during this time, uh, the Local Enterprise Office has been extremely busy in uh, developing a number of different initiatives uh, and this is another exciting uh, program uh, that will give businesses an opportunity uh, to avail of the expertise of uh, 
yourselves in KCLR uh, and uh, this, the staff in the local enterprise office and obviously then there's the opportunity for somebody to win uh, the prize of €4,000 uh, to help in terms of promoting their business uh, and I think it's really important at this time uh, that uh, people uh, support local businesses uh, even if that is with online shopping that they do their online shopping uh, with Carlo businesses is really important uh, that we support one another during this really difficult time. And since COVID uh, struck in the early part of the year, it's been an unprecedented time for business uh, and the local enterprise office and the county council supports for business in various ways have probably never been busier. Yes, the, the staff in the local enterprise office have been extremely busy uh, in dealing, you know, continuing to do the work that they were doing and at an accelerated level because more people are coming looking for advice and guidance. Uh, we also developed, uh, put together a, a forum, an economic forum in the town, uh, working with uh, other partners such as the business community, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the IT Carlo, uh, Carlo Tourism uh, and a number uh, of organisations like that to identify key strategic issues uh, from an economics perspective uh, for Carlo uh, and some of those are now being rolled out. Uh, so it's really important uh, that we, we do support them and obviously we're implementing uh, the measures introduced by government as well uh, through the restart grant. Uh, we're processing all those uh, uh, to people who've applied for them uh, and we will also be applying the, the rates waiver, the six months rates waiver that the government uh, have announced and that uh, local authorities will be getting funding for, which is really important because obviously, like any other organisation, we've seen a significant collapse in our income as well. And that has uh, major uh, potential repercussions for our services going forward. And um, we're here in county buildings and we can see that it's not business as usual from the point of view of hand sanitising, screen, social distance, but this is just the administrative head office, I suppose. You've had to adjust all of your different operations but the essential services have to be maintained nonetheless. How challenging is that? Yes, it's very challenging because I suppose uh, the natural instinct in uh, local government staff is when, when there is uh, an emergency or a challenge is actually to come into work and roll up the sleeves and get on with it. But the opposite message was sort of being given at an early stage for people to stay at home. So we've had to... Uh, refocus our work. Some staff are working remotely, some staff are doing a mixture. Uh, we've had to move some staff out of the building to facilitate uh, social distancing within the, the organisation. But we've never been closed. We've always been working ever since COVID started. Essential services had to be maintained uh, and, and we are doing that like all other local authorities across the country. Mm. And um, while everybody is concentrating on getting through COVID, uh, you've also got an eye on the future and you're working on a master plan at the moment. Tell us about that. Yes, we've just uh, launched uh, our master plan for Carlow Town uh, and this is a vision um, uh, for the future of Carlow Town following extensive uh, consultation uh, with stakeholders uh, across the county and in Carlow Town in particular. Uh, and the plan is now out for people to make comments on before it's finalised. It forms the basis of an application that we've made to government under the Urban Regeneration and Development Fund. Uh, and the first phase of the, the plan uh, is cost at 21 million. Uh, and we, we're uh, hoping to get a significant 
significant uh, element of government funding uh, towards that uh, plan. So it's very much about revitalising the town and the town centre. It's about creating a, 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 a town centre and a town that's attractive to people, uh, that there's easy access uh, through the town and from different parts of the town uh, to the town centre and uh, creating a new uh, vibrant centre uh, in potato market uh, in the town. So it's very much about looking uh, to the future and building on ideas that have been uh, brought forward uh, in the early stages of the stakeholder engagement to incorporate those uh, into the plan. Have you been pleased with the level of engagement so far? Well, it's only just uh, been uh, published this week, but... um, but a previous in the early stages. stages, yes, we had very good engagement from a wide uh, variety of stakeholders. So we had public meetings in the early stages. We also engaged specifically with uh, specific uh, stakeholders uh, on the plan as, as it was being developed. Uh, and uh, the Avison and Young, who led the plan process for us, they would have had uh, a lot of uh, direct engagement with different stakeholders in the town. So you're calling on people to be... Uh, to, to have a good look at it and make their feelings felt at this stage. How do they do that? Uh, They can make submissions uh, online. Uh, We have um, a civic uh, uh, space online on the council's website and people can make their submissions. Otherwise they can submit them in writing here to, to the council as well. Kathleen Houlihan, the Chief Executive of Carlow County Council, there talking to us about the Business Box, uh, the uh, series of PR and marketing support programmes designed for the County Carlow SME community to support the promotion and marketing of their businesses. And if you're based in County Carlow and your company's based in County Carlow and you'd like to partake in this, bookings and information on localenterprise.ie forward slash carlo or call 059-912-9783. Coming up, we'll be talking to Brian O'Farrell of Carlo Chamber. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the South largest independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie. The bottom line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. It's just eight and a half minutes away from 10 o'clock. Edward Hayden getting in, ready to hop in the hot seat just after the 10 o'clock news. Uh, if you have anything you'd like Edward to hear about, you can get in touch on the Darren Hayes text line. It's 083 306 9696. And don't forget that item on leaving cert students who may be under pressure after the results debacle during the week. Now, on the phone, I'm joined by Brian O'Farrell, who's the chief executive of County Carlow Chamber of Commerce who's going to tell us about a retail seminar coming up on next Wednesday and uh, I'm actually delighted to have been asked uh, to host the event but a range of interesting speakers. Uh, Good morning Brian, tell us about uh, the retail seminar. Morning John, Um, yes no we've put together a seminar uh, and it's taking place on next Wednesday as you were saying so it's running uh, 10 o'clock in the morning until 12 is kind of the projected time for it. And it's designed for a number of reasons, I suppose, to help retailers to network and to provide that opportunity for to discuss different things, to talk about shop local, to give an opportunity for to learn from shared experiences. You know, we wanted to look at different supports and measures that are there for businesses and to discuss that and what to help. And also to look at other things like gift cards and how does different um, methods out there 
uh, for to help them to reach out to their consumers and to continue to support locals. So really broad ranging. And we've, uh, as you were saying, we've got a very good range of speakers lined up um, for the morning. Uh, we've got Evelyn Moynihan, who's going to talk about Champion Green. Um, I'm sure some of your listeners will be familiar with that, which is a campaign to support communities and local businesses. Um, and it's about that whole shopping support local. And that's backed by Kilkenny Group and Visa. Um, and we're also speaking to Philip MacDonald of Detail Menswear, who have uh, stores in Carlow and Kilkenny. And it's about that journey of, you know, moving from, uh, 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 I suppose you could describe it as a 2D online presence, to now having a full uh, online e-commerce store. And, this, uh, you know, I think it's a very exciting journey for a business to take. And it's very important for to hear how that journey went and to see what learnings we can take from it. Um, we'll be talking to John Wall of Me To You Gift Cards um, because uh, they work with us on the Love Carlo gift card, which was launched by the Chamber around about three years ago. And we'll also be talking to Kieran Comerford of the Local Enterprise Office about uh, the supports that are there to the different state agencies and how businesses can access those. Yeah, an interesting time in retail. Um, it's been a, a sector under pressure for quite a long time and it had been seen as kind of bricks and mortar and then online. But as as Kathleen Houlihan was saying earlier when I was talking to her, um, there's kind of shop local online now, which is a mixture of both. Uh, it's an exciting and interesting um, development, really. It, it is, and it's kind of one of the things, I suppose, you know, a, a lot of companies that were able to prepare and look at things for Brexit coming, um, you know, but the whole uh, COVID pandemic was just arrived and you just had to react and deal with it. And it has forced a lot of more companies to develop their online presence and, uh, you know, to enhance their offerings online. And what we want to do is, you know, we are saying to people, and it was a campaign that started back in January, kind of just before it, we were saying to people, when you go online, you know, be local online. And that's a, a very strong campaign which has been running across Carlow for the last, you know, a while. And, you know, it's to get that message there. And a part of the story is that uh, we want to remind businesses as well and consumers that, you know what, just because a, a company sets up a website, it doesn't automatically mean that people know about it. So we need to remind people how they can connect with their consumers um, and how consumers can search for the right, uh, the local websites and the local businesses and, you know, if they do want to shop online to make sure that they can support them. Yeah, now you talked about the networking element of it as well and that's very important in these days because with social distancing and everything, um, harder for people to connect and it can be a lonely um, gig running a small business, a small shop and it's important that new ways are found for people to talk to each other, share ideas and connect. No, no, definitely. Um, and it is, you know, I've been talking to a, a lot of our businesses and a lot of members over the last few weeks. And one of the things that they do really miss is that whole face-to-face, uh, you know, sitting across from somebody, having a cup of coffee, sort of networking. Um, and we want to, you know, it's trying to see how we can uh, manage that right in a 9-9 situation because, you know, there is certain situations where it can work. Um, and, you know, it's not the easiest because, you know, you miss being able to read body language properly and things like that when you're in an online setting. But if we don't move uh, forward and try to adapt to it, it'll make it more difficult because the networking, it just provides so many opportunities for you to learn from 
uh, other businesses in the area about what they're doing, you know, what ideas can work. Um, it's you know there's a great way for more local businesses to work together and to collaborate together on you know whether it's projects or whether it's actually uh, one company supplying another. It, it, these opportunities we can't rate them enough, and it's so important that we do get out there and network where we can. Yeah, and Carlo Chamber over seventy five years old, um, and you recently held your AGM remotely. That's that'll be in the history books when they're celebrating the hundred and fiftieth. No, it was it was very interesting actually trying to do it remotely and you know tie in all the different presentations and make sure everything happens. And in particular, when you come down to an AGM and uh, you know an event like that, and you, you know if, if if it comes to a vote and how you handle the vote and making sure that. Everybody is happy at the end of the day. So, you know, it is. It's a constant learning experience. Um, a, lot of, a, a lot of those online processes. Um, but there's a lot more we can do. And, you know, we're quite lucky that we have got a, a lot of great resources around. But even, I suppose, on the seminar Wednesday, yeah, you know, we'll have it uh, online. So anybody can register to come to it. And, and I suppose one of the things is, while it's called a retail seminar, I do believe that there's a lot of learnings which can be taken away by any business, you know, so any business is more than welcome to come and join up, um, you know, and we'd be delighted to see anyone there uh, to partake in it and, uh, you know, enjoy some networking and uh, hopefully uh, take something away from the morning because that's one of the key things is that we want people to be able to take some valuable information away and see how they can transfer that into their business and help to move them forward. Okay, Brian, we've got to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. That's Brian O'Farrell, CEO of County Carlow Chamber, bringing this edition of The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business, to a close this week. Thanks to all our guests, Samantha McCochran, Brian Seary, Ger Kerwin, Kathleen Houlihan, and Brian O'Farrell, who you heard there. Deirdre Drummy, who produced. Don't forget, if you wish to get in touch, you can email us at thebottomline at kclaura96fm.com or you can listen back to any episode of the show on The Bottom Line podcast. Just search for The Bottom Line on the iTunes Store, Google Play, or on Spotify, and you'll hear us there. I'm John Purcell. Thanks for listening. Back next Saturday, just after nine. Have yourself a lovely weekend and a great week. Until we speak again, stay safe, keep your distance, and wash your hands. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.